everyone, welcome back to the left page. This Yay, time we're we back. are we are back with our poetry specials. Yeah, uh, actually, yeah, like it, it it isn't going to be uh like a special anymore. Like it's always special, <laughs> if you know what I mean. But yeah, uh, me and Frank we we decided that uh, since I'm I, I study uh, uh, literature and and languages and I have more of this uh, kind of side of studying uh, directly poetry then I'm going to be sort of more responsible for the decisions of the text and the poems and the and the things that we do with the poetry uh, episodes uh, so we are back but uh, we're back in, but in a in a different style. Yeah, like we, you know, we, we gotta realize and organize how we want to do this. Yeah. And I think we are back on track in a very nice way. Yeah. The problem was that we usually did the the poetry episodes right after doing a whole episode on a book. So yeah, it it, it became like sort of like uh, an episode just to chill out and talk about literature but at the same time it was kind of like uh shallow in the in the analysis of the the poem and things like that so yeah we we think that poetry deserves its own like whole attention and a whole episode thinking about it and discussing it so that's it that's what we're doing yeah, right we, now yeah we Exactly. Yeah, we didn't do a, an episode with uh, Roy from the Marxist Poetry Podcast yeah. uh, without <laughs> showing the, the proper value and respect we, we have to the poetry, too. Yeah. So that's why we chose, especially a poem we, to get back into the swing of things, <laughs> we chose a poem that we know intimately. Yeah. Like, both from school, from college, Bruno in his field, me in mine. Yeah. So we have a very special Poetry Club episode back on your hands with one of our favorite poems and a very famous, common, popular one for very, very great reasons. Yeah. But I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> Bruno, would you care to introduce his? Yeah, so we're going to go to my favorite French poet, Charles Baudelaire, uh, the the prince of darkness of, <laughs> of French poetry. <laughs> and yeah, it's actually... I, I was talking to Frank earlier how uh, Baudelaire has this sort of like... Uh, this fame of being like a, a dirty, uh, like uh, occultist uh, image of someone who's really bizarre. And yet, one of his... Uh, one of his most famous and most uh, uh, well-known poems is about uh, falling in love at first sight. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Truly. So, we're going to talk about a passerby uh, in French. It's uh, A une passante. And, yeah, it, it's, it's almost difficult to start talking about it because me and Frank we have such uh, such different experiences with it. We we read so many times, 
and actually we think that this is going to be a really interesting episode because when you read a poem like this so many times uh, and the form of the poem as well I mean a poem is a poem and you can read it in like less than a minute and in, and you can reread it and read it again and yeah when you when you have this experience uh, with poems that you like it's sort of common that you get stuck in always having the same uh, interpretation of the poem actually because you are you are you are accustomed uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, you're accustomed to to the verses and the rhymes, and you know what things mean, and you have already analyzed it. And it, like in, in in my case, it's like, oh, so I already saw this in a class, and this woman figure or this death figure or this love figure means X, Y, and Z. And actually, now that we have quarantine and we me and Frank actually I'm going to to kick the door and say that me and Frank are actually single right now and I was in a really long relationship and Frank was in a long relationship as well and now we are single seeing this this poem again and I mean it, it's not to be to be like uh it's not clickbait but I I reread it and it was like a total different experience to to read this poem right now. So yeah, uh, I don't know if you want to say anything as well. Oh, I, I just wanna mention Baudelaire because like he is the first and one of the greatest critics and appraisers and evaluators of modernity. Exactly. Uh, he faced its primary experiences. He was there, yeah. literally. Yeah. And. His work is a testament, is a critique, it's a view of that. It's deeply marked by it. Yeah. Willingly and unwillingly, because that's the way literature goes. <laughs> and it's just really interesting. Yeah. He, he was this jester-like figure, and he knew exactly what he was doing in that regard. Yeah. Like, the... the the metric, the form, there's just such treat and such work with that upon creating, utilizing these traditional forms, the sonnet, for example, and just twisting it around to like talk about a, a piece of rotten flesh. Yeah. So, you know, very, very interesting. And, you know, like, if you want to talk about modernity and history of modernity, you, you can't. You cannot talk about him. Uh, you can even... I'm going to be bold here. Please don't kill me, Bruno. <laughs> you can skip Victor, Victor Hugo, but you can't skip Baudelaire. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, 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 nothing personal against him, but you know. Yeah. He was no Baudelaire. Exactly. <laughs> even if he was much more popular at the time. But, like, Baudelaire is just a better critic. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, it, it's... Uh, uh, Victor... Uh, Victor Hugo had a gigantical works, and he was actually a statesman as well. Like he mm -hmm. he he experienced what it was, uh, like almost like the rock star, uh, not like the rock star, but the the glory <laughs> of being a poet. 
if you know what I, I mean. I think we can say Victor Hugo was the rock star of his time, yeah, yes, yeah, but, without but, any problem. But maybe I think that the, the rock star title goes to Baudelaire because he was really like a tone wilder than, than Victor Hugo <laughs> was. So, I mean, I think it's like uh, while Victor Hugo was like with the angels and the, the harps and things like, oh... And, and and all of the uh, all of this jazz, Baudelaire was like the heavy drinking and weed smoking rock star poet lifestyle and yeah. <laughs> so what you're saying is Victor Hugo was sort of the early rock, early Beatles. Yeah, yeah. And Baudelaire was like heavy punk metal. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's it. Oh, I'm I'm down for that reading definitely. <laughs> oh, I am. So, so yeah. yeah, I think that's what I wanted to say about Baudelaire. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, oh, also, we, we already did oh. an episode on him, so if we're going to talk about, like, dates and everything like that, it's it's not that productive. Like, you can just open up yeah. Wikipedia and, and search it, but, it, it, I mean, it, it's, it's nicer and richer to talk about uh, more of his nuances. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like, um, I guess just the last thing I want to mention about him is that, like, he was, and, and the term especially came to use later via Benjamin, via the Situationists, that Baudelaire was the flaneur, the, the, this figure that sort of passes by, that travels around the city without Fool, a particular Fools aim. around, yeah. Yeah, Almost a sort of the the man in the crowd yeah. from Poe. Yeah. Uh, so hmm, that gives ideas. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> but it's that figure this that tra- transits that goes around and that experiences the city gets lost yeah. in it. And Baudelaire himself and his literature is exactly that experience, getting lost in Paris at this time of at this modernity. Yeah. And at what became such the modern experience, our experiences as well. Yeah. So he is the first critic, the first prophet of that, with such majesty to it. Perfect. So, let's go to the reading, maybe? Yeah, go for it. So, I will read it in French first, and then uh, Frank will read with his beautiful Oxford English. Uh, Thank so, you so much. <laughs> so, let's go. Uh, <clears throat> a une passante. Uh, la rue assourdissante autour de moi hurlait, longuement son grand œil de l'air majestueuse, Une femme passa d'une main fastueuse, soulevant balançant le feston et l'ourlet. Agile et noble, avec sa jambe de statue, moi je pouvais crisper comme un extravagant dans son œil, ciel livide où germe l'ouragan, la douceur qui fascine et le plaisir qui tue. Un éclair, puis la nuit, fugitif boité dont les regards m'a fait soudainement renaître. 
ne te verrai-je plus que dans l'éternité Ailleurs, bien loin d'ici, trop tard, jamais peut-être, car j'ignore où tu fuis, tu ne sais où je vais. Ô oh, toi qui j'ai aimé, ô oh, toi qui le savais. Charles Baudelaire. Fantastic. So, uh, just for clarification, I will be reading from the website fleurdumal.org, yeah. uh, which will be in the description. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good uh, website, yeah. Yeah, like you recommended it before, and it has various translations in English. It has the original in French, so you could fo follow along. And I have chosen what I think is the closest compromise of form and meaning because a lot is lost from French to English, sadly. But this, this translation, I think, captures most of it, or does a very good job at it, which is Roy Campbell's one uh, from 1952. A passerby. The deafening street roared on, full, slim, and grand. In mourning and majestic grief passed down, a woman, lifting with a stately hand, and swaying the black borders of her gown. Noble and swift, her leg with statues matching, I drank, convulsed out of her pensive eye, a livid sky where hurricanes were hatching, sweetness that charms, and joy that makes one die. A lightning flash, then darkness. Fleeting chance, whose look was my rebirth, a single glance. Through endless time shall I not meet with you? Far off, too late, or never, I not knowing, who you may be, nor you where I am going, you, you whom I might have loved, who know it too. So, <laughs> um, you can go first. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, the thing that we were talking earlier before we started recording is that this poem has this sort of like eternal interpretation and inevitable interpretation of uh, of the a man in the crowd who is observing and who is thinking about uh, being almost like anti-modernist thinking deeply and thinking hard about uh, in this case a woman who has fascinated him and at the same time the dynamics of the city and the, dyna the dynamics of modernity aren't uh, appropriate for this sort of long interpretation and long thinking so basically what we get here is almost like the lament of a poet who is uh, it, it, this this poem is almost like a photograph. It's uh, it's almost like the 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 poet doesn't have the processing capacity to capture this moment. So he is talking about uh, the he's talking about the 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 experience. He's talking about the characteristics of the the woman, and he's talking about what it makes him feel but then he notices that he's almost 
uh, that this is almost that he is in love with her and she's already off and he's never going to see her again yeah he does nothing yeah his chance is gone yeah <laughs> if there ever was anything like he just he's transfixed by that gaze by that by that light yeah but he does not act yeah and so his moment passes yeah exactly. um he is fundamentally anti-modern because he does not move he stays within himself and then loses uh his moment loses his chance yeah uh which um this reading is mostly uh famous by walter benjamin so sort of taking the poem as a way that contrasts these two elements yeah uh a, a very because that's that, that's what makes this poem one of the things there's a lot to it that makes it such a classic that like it is the fundamental modern experience yeah to be about in the street walking or like when you're in the bus oh, that happened to me mostly on buses <laughs> yeah buses yeah. <laughs> where like you you see someone and sometimes you may meet their gaze sometimes not and you just transfixed by them yeah. by beauty by curiosity whatever that might be and I'll speak more on this later personally yeah but we are just like wow yeah but you have to go you 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 need to go somewhere you're going somewhere they went somewhere else <laughs> uh it is a moment of like an instant of a connection or of a possible connection yeah. that is gone forever yeah when we meet it's that line like through endless time shall i not meet with you yeah. or better yet will i see you no more before eternity yeah and possibly not and i i think it's it's really important to to do a, a little say a little note here that uh, uh, one thing that i i i don't uh i don't really see in analysis of this poem is that i mean knowing baudelaire knowing uh flowers of evil and everything he doesn't use the word love lightly so when you have Baudelaire, which is uh, which is like the the most how can I say like the most open person about sex and love and relationships <laughs> and everything like you you don't you don't expect Baudelaire to be like oh yes and I'm I'm totally uh, in love with her like uh, you you expect uh, uh, something, uh, how can I say, something more complex, something more nuanced. You you think about, uh, you think about his other poems. Him talking about uh, almost hating the person and at the same time loving it and, and finding it disgraceful and and at the same time finding it beautiful. And and it's always this dichotomy and it's not always easy. But then in this poem, the 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 conflict and the, the dichotomy is in in accepting uh the rules of modernity because he actually is in love he 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 says it he says it out loud basically he says it out loud in his head but he says it like he uses the word love and and he almost he's almost certain that she would love him too so I, I found it so powerful and so beautiful of this poem because it's almost a moment of 
purity of, of Baudelaire talking about love without being disgraceful or monstrous. But then <laughs> the disgrace and the and the inadequation and the deformity is placed in the dynamics of living in modernity. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because it's a love impossible. Yeah. That, that's the point. Like, he needs to go somewhere. She already went somewhere else. So, like, it's a love that c can and could never be, really. So, and, and I hadn't thought about that. Like, but, but it's, a, in, it's a very different love than any of the other occasions in The Flowers of Evil. Or in most of his poetry, really. Because in this case, it is... <laughs> That's the funny thing. It is a. It's almost like it is a pure love. Yeah. But exactly because it is a pure love, it is so futile. Exactly. It is so impossible. Exactly. Because it's born of something so simple, so silly. Yeah. Uh, another thing that Bruno and I were talking about is like going over some of these more classical readings, uh, or that we're familiar, or that we've studied, yeah. to sort of get our also our own ideas and how we interpret and understand this poem and there was another I mentioned to him that I wanted to bring up which is one from I, I do not recall if he's a historian or a critic uh, Dolph Euler um, and his reading it connected with uh, the the image from the Delacroix painting uh, Liberty Guides Peoples uh, which is that uh, the semi-naked woman uh, carrying the French flag. It's very famous painting. Again, I'll uh, edit on the description or whatever that you've probably seen him, but it's this womanly figure which is liberty and it's guiding the French and guiding all peoples uh, into a, a new age of liberty, equality and fraternity. So, and this figure is that of Nahan. And the idea is that uh, the passerby would be Mahan, uh, for she is in grief, all in black, yeah. defeated, the death of the revolution, be on account of those who did not act like the narrator, those that ve did very little in the barricades. I in a way, it would critique and question the French youth. Uh, it's a very interesting reading. It's a much more historically grand. Yeah, and the ending, uh, the ending, just a little note. The ending is is perfect for this reading as well because it says, "Whom I might have loved." So it's like, uh, like if it was possible, if it happened, I, I would be a part of it. I would be like the poem, uh, the poet of this revolution. Yeah, and there is like there is this attraction, there is this connection, but there is no action. It's like, wouldn't it be nice? Yeah. And wouldn't it, it be it, nice? Be nice too. <laughs> and but it, but she passes by. Yeah. And, and the narrator does nothing. Yeah. So that's the, the that's the interesting thing. So this reading makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, again, it's one reading, and I don't think it tells everything because. It draws on a particular specificity of it. Yeah. But Baudelaire, he talks about specificities, but he's always, or at least that's the impression I get of the readings I've had, uh, he's always talking more generally. Yeah. It's never only about a specific. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
uh, when it is. Yeah. So the, the, I think again, a great reading, but let's not stop there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's kind of that's kind of our main point. Um, anything else you you want to say or mention about other readings or interpretations that we've seen? So no. Uh, before we get uh, on to yeah, yeah, no. I I think I was just going to say that uh, as you said about. Uh, Baudelaire being more uh, like talking about it's not that he's generalistic is it's like when he when he decides to take a, a specific figure or a specific uh, feeling he always uh, Bo- Bo- Baudelaire it's almost like when he when he tries to elaborate on like love or or death or something like that his verses are so uh dense that that it's almost like a saying like you you get that that sort of feeling like when you read a verse at the same time that it seems generalistic you look and you think man this is so well-rounded and so specific about this almost like cliche feeling like love, like fear of death, like, uh, I don't know, uh, being stunned by a girl who passes by in the street. <laughs> and, yeah, I, I mean, it gets... Uh, that's, that's why this poem is almost like the anthem of modernity. Because at the same time that it is about love... It's about anything, basically, and I, and I, I, I may take the risk to sound like uh, a, an Instagrammer who doesn't know anything about shit and and just talking. About, oh my God, you need to seize the day and things like that. But it's basically that as well. Like it's the the opportunity that passes by, the the, the sort the sort of lesson about uh not overanalyzing things because they go by like life goes by decisions go by people go by uh love goes by so <laughs> it, it, it's just Baudelaire has always this quality of talking about something really specific like this moment but then when you look to the poem and to the situation and to the, the choice of words and things like that, you almost get into a, a, a macro vision about basically lots of things in life, basically. Yeah, totally, totally. It's, it's the connection between like the microcosm to the macrocosm. Yeah. Like... You get the specific, you get the small, but you make greater connections. Yeah. And I, I, I would find it very hard to believe that Baudelaire wasn't aware of modernity as a feeling, as a, a new reality. Yeah. As a new way of connecting and relating to people. I think this, this poem, quite unlike others, um, even his own work, it depicts that condition to a T. Yeah, and, and that's just another one of the things that makes it so impactful and so lasting. Like the the thing is the Calvino thing. Like why are the classics classics? Because they're constantly giving out new 
other interesting readings. They, they are still having many things to tell us. And this poem does so iconically. And to transition to like uh, what we, how we read it, it, it becomes different in times of the quarantine. Because uh, this, yes, this is established, but this is established in a very different way. Yeah. Because on the one hand, you have only the eyes uh, because of the mask, um, unless you're wearing like that plastic cone yeah. thing, which is very weird. <laughs> um, but usually you're just wearing the face mask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so the connection, if, if any, is established only in the eyes. So it, it's very. And even then, like. I, I'm not sure where I was going with that. Yeah. But it becomes different. You had more thoughts about this. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I was going to talk as well, like the main aspects that make you like or dislike uh, a poet is the relation that the poet has with the, like, the hermetics of his poetry. Like, what what does he want to show and what he doesn't want to show and what he wants to be obvious and what he wants to be interpreted, things like that. Uh, a, a really good example is Carlos Drummond de Andrade, which has some poems that I have read like maybe a billion times and I don't understand a, f a fucking verse. And, <laughs> and, and at the same time, I like it. So it's bizarre because you would, you would think like, man, like, holy shit, man, just, just quit it already and, and go read something else. But, I reread it and read it and read it and it's and I love it and it's maybe because it's just so mysterious and it's just so hermetic that I will never know what it means. But I, I was just going to make this this uh, this commentary about what we were talking about earlier about uh, this macro and uh, micro and macro relationship that uh that Baudelaire poet uh, poems have with his themes that it's it's a really clever way to do uh sort of like uh it's almost like an uh, ambivalent hermetics because the, mm. the the poem is really open you you don't get like you don't get doubts of, about the poem like you read it and you know it what he wanted to say about about that situation and about that girl and everything but at the same time when you leave an interpretation really like wide open you're basically uh hiding the other interpretations with this really apparent interpretation it's almost like an eclipse like you have something in the way that that is really like apparent and really like flashy and then you have something in the back and and Baudelaire is like a genius of doing this like if if you want to if you want to get your mind fucking blown just read uh l'horloge which is the clock and uh and y y if you go deep in it like the the division between verses and everything like the rhymes it's it's a po it's a poem about time. It's called the clock, and everything is basically set up like a clock. Like 
it has 24 verses if i remember correctly like it has all of like the measures from a clock inside the poem so <laughs> it's really bizarre and and so uh, i mean when i when you see something like that and it's almost like one of the first poems that is in in uh in uh, flowers of evil uh you would think that like if 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 you can do a poem like that like if a person is capable of doing a poem like that you can't have just one interpretation and be fine about it with a poem like to a passerby so i'm 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 not going to propose any maniacal impossible interpretations but i'm just going to say that i'm going to the to the back to the beginning of the episode to talk about how uh we shouldn't be uh we shouldn't be at ease with poems like oh i know this poem i know the interpretation i i did a uh a, a special course about it i mean interpretations of poems are like uh collectibles it you 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 get one but if you get one or a thousand doesn't mean that you can't get like another uh, another version another version that makes more sense another version that makes less sense but is more playful more dark more sinister so yeah j just have that in mind like it's not because it's a it's a uh a direct poem that it doesn't have things hidden uh, beneath it. Something to do with what we're talking about, but not wholly. So, um, I, want, I will have this in writing at some point this month, hopefully. Uh, or it should have. Been out. We'll see. But the th I've, I've read uh, recently uh, a work of history like the Style and History by Peter Gay. It's a fantastic work. And amongst other things, he questions like how can history be scientific or have any pretense as a science when it deals with interpretations? And the thing is, it works very different with the literature, of course. But here, there, there comes the point. All interpretations can be made. It does not mean that these interpretations are all valid. Yeah. Or they're all concurrent. Yeah. Like, th these interpretations can at times be at odds. And a collective field in a, an open academic space, in an open society of study and research, and, and that has this independence and this possibility to do it, uh, will create and will develop interpretations that make more or less sense yeah and it will exclude certain interpretations that are frankly absurd uh, and true whatever uh it the idea that in history as well uh also utilizes interpretations these are different interpretations and but then again much like in literature while all interpretations can be made they won't all be accepted and yeah. some will be questioned, and some will incorporate, and some will grow together, and others will be shunned for good reason. Yeah. Like, we can accept that historical interpretation, yes, 
but to accept it wholly and singularly, we leave way too much out. It doesn't mean you can incorporate it with other aspects. On the other hand, if we take an interpretation as like, oh, uh, the the passerby would be like an allegory of the modern uh, of the modern merchandise, <laughs> of the modern uh, commodity, so to speak, that like exhibits, that attracts, that promises a desire. Yeah. That is interesting, and that can give a lot. Of, there's more to that interpretation than I have written down. Yeah. But uh, it gives us some things, but it takes away many, many others. Exactly. Like literature works better with making these different interpretations coexist because we're talking about literature. Yeah. In history, that happens too, but it doesn't mean that there is no conflict and there is no continuous development of this research in order to define it as scientific, define it as acceptable. Yeah. So it's a particular and I think a relevant pet peeve of most decent, uh, you know, good intentioned uh, historians that have a concern to it as a science and to having it clearly posited and defended as a science. Yeah. So uh, a bit of a tangent in a, in, amongst many other things, but I, I think it's relevant to mention how, like, when one works with interpretations, there's a lot that is still in the air. There's a lot that will remain undefined, but that doesn't take away from its value, its importance of study, or its care. Yeah. Like, it's the thing, like, oh, it's relative, these interpret there can be interpretations. Well, yeah, you can have all the interpretations of the world. Doesn't mean they're all going to be sensible. Yeah. And if they're horrible, foolish, or whatever... Uh, in a decent academia, or even a half-decent one, <laughs> the, the very bad ones will definitely be kicked out. Because yeah. that, that's how it goes. Yeah. And that's the idea of like creating spaces where these interpretations can be made more equanimously. And thus, if that word is even a thing in English. <laughs> yeah. uh, and here's our point here. Like, we're presenting different interpretations and adding our own, because... It is a, it is our text too, and is it is everyone else's? Yeah, that's again. It, it's always a good time to talk about our podcast message, which is like this literature. We are taking it, but it is everyone else's. Exactly. So here it is for you. Like yeah, we give it our own packaging, but it is it is yours as well. Yeah. Wherever whomever you might be, <laughs> so take it. Yeah. It's yours. It always has been, even if some deny it. So, uh, my rant and interlude over. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I was just going to to connect this this tangent and say that it it is almost paradoxical, but it's not a tangent at all because it's basically the theme of the poem. Uh, is we were talking earlier as well about how he misses the opportunity because he's analyzing in a way that is not appropriate to to his to his time he's analyzing almost like classically uh, taking a deep analysis into a moment that takes almost like i don't know 3 seconds it is exactly as you said like you can all of the uh, interpretations in the world exist about any text but you have to think about uh, context, uh, historical meaning, and everything, 
if you want to talk about like uh, an interpretation making sense like if you want just want to oh fuck it i want to make a a, a video game that uses Baudelaire teams to to i don't know make a uh uh like thriller suspense uh video game then you you basically can uh interpret things and make it in, into small blocks and use it for something but if you want to interpret something to talk about its meaning inside of a, a work inside of a, a literary uh school or a literary uh, movement and things like that you have to take in consideration history and sociology and, and everything around it so yeah I, I think the lesson that you just said about uh, about interpreting and about making sense is exactly the same lesson that Baudelaire almost basically uh, learns in, in, the, in this experiment where he's analyzing and analyzing and analyzing and then he 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 notices that it's already over, and he would love to love her, but he can't anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So um, maybe right now I think we're talking. We have talked a lot about like interpretation things like that. So I would love you if you want to comment about uh, that more like. Uh, personal interpretation that you had about it so we can like maybe yes. make a tangent about how it feels for both of us and maybe yeah I'm on board it's interesting um, a, a, a couple of things I, I want to mention uh, as I talk about this reading of mine which is it's a part of how I interpreted the poem but it, it, it relates a bit to my personal experience uh, in a way that I didn't realize till like a couple of months ago less um, so, recently, I've been identifying as demisexual. Uh, essentially, it, it means that I have no uh, sexual attraction or sexual desire to someone uh, until I have a strong emotional bond with them. Yeah. And I have been identifying with that because that's basically been my life's experience. <laughs> I have just like connected the dots. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it, it it just has been me. Like for me, one night stands don't mean anything to me, not to other people. Uh, and my experience has been that. So this poem, <laughs> so this poem, for most of my life, as I've read it, I, I get a sort of sexual, intimate, physical desire, but mostly it speaks to me of sort of a sort of dazzling, um, strong impression that like. It, <sighs> It's just an awe, really. And to me, like, my experiences, similar to these ones, of, like, seeing someone in in the bus or in the street, that I'm like, wow. For me, for me, it has always been, like, I want to know more about this person. Like, where are they going? Where are they coming from? And there's just no sexual desire there and like fine yeah <laughs> but as much as i find them attractive or find them interesting like there's this desire to know more about them to to establish a sort of bond to learn about them yeah and, and i and i think that's really interesting and i think in a way like 
this poem speaks to me in a very particular way, while not in another. Yeah. Like any sort of more physical, more sexual desire that this poem carries is always like flown right over my head. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. I've always read it under my light that I didn't know had this particular tincture. But that is about this connection, about this, this love that is this being together, but that is impossible because it has flown by. Yeah. And uh, even regardless of the narrator just being shocked and unable to act, uh, or not acting regardless, it, it speaks to an experience that is of... You know, just finding someone interesting yeah. and wanting to know more about them and wondering, like, why... To, 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 to give a very silly example, um, I remember in some of my first college years about this woman that wore um, a, a sort of purplish trench coat and a purplish beret, and I just thought it was an amazing look. <laughs> and, and I always wondered, like... Where, what course are they taking? What What is their degree? Where are they going? Where do they come from? Yeah. Uh, who are they, really? Uh, which are, uh, is a very particular set of questions, and it's fine. I, I don't mind people having others. But it, it just for me, that that's what it, it, it spoke to me. Yeah. In, in the way that that's how I connect with this poem, about this desire for knowledge, this desire for connecting with other people before any before and regardless of anything else yeah so the beauty the the, the statuesque aspect of it yeah like this <laughs> yeah re re really well done with the reference yeah it, it connects to me in a way that it's like it, it is more of a brief impact that leads to other things for me that don't connect because or that don't realize themselves because Again, it is a passerby. It yeah. has passed. Yeah. yeah. So uh, this is um, <laughs> a very particular reading of mine, I think, and, and, and uh, connecting with with my experience of a passerby. Yeah. Seeing a yeah. passerby. And, and yeah. Yeah, and I, I think, as you said, like it, it's really uh, singular to you, but at the same time, it opens the question about uh, a well, like a more like common uh reading as as myself and as the the experiences that i had with passerbys and looking at a person and going like holy shit that, that person is beautiful and but at the same time it, it goes into a, a kind of philosophical uh warm uh, like <laughs> philosophical rabbit hole about thinking how does Basically, how does attraction work? Like, I mean, uh, as you said, uh, the the sexual uh, the sexual meaning of uh, uh, an encounter like that goes over your head, and 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 even in the poem, it goes over your head. But at the same time, uh, even in in my perspective, which uh, has the like the possibility of having the sexual nuance uh, it, it's almost like paradoxical because when you see a passerby you're intrigued by the existence of that being like you're not intrigued like you you don't look and, and go like oh my god she's so hot I just want to uh, get her number and like uh, 
have a one night stand and something like that. That that's that's a thing that happens like uh when you when you're in a nightclub or at a bar or at a pub or something <laughs> like it happens like that. And and the experience of a passerby it's really more romantic than than maybe modern because you're you're stunned and you're and you can describe why you are so fucked up about that girl or about <laughs> that guy you're you're just like you don't have the words and and you can't explain and it it just makes sense to the person that lived it so i i i was going to say that your interpretation and and your in your way of seeing it it is so it's so original and it's so organic because it is at the same time that it is specific it has so much to say about how it works even in the common sense of a passerby which is it's not like oh it's a hot girl passing by oh it's a hot guy passing by it's that like that event it's like something rare happened it's like yeah. something like something Uh, that the universe has has put there and is in your witnessing it is almost like the the like a, a a meteor shower like you're you're able to witness that moment and you don't have the words to to describe it and and, and to make it solid it it it, it has this this fluent uh nature as it, it's fluent as the the moment the, the time that goes by the person that goes by and everything that we were already saying that that goes by if if you don't catch it basically yes as you said it is not solid and again that thing about modernity all that is solid melts into air exactly exactly it, it's that again like it, it's just so it it's there and it's gone and it's poof yeah And it's just, I I love what you said about attraction though, because look I've I've spoken to many uh, other folks about this recently about who are actually asexual and don't feel sexual attraction at all or very rarely. Yeah. And it, it is fascinating how there's there can still be attraction, there can still be sort of an aesthetic appreciation, or you can find them beautiful. You just don't want that aspect. Yeah. Or even beyond that, like. There's just something about the connection, about what is attractive or what makes an impression like this, which can be in so many different ways, and it can connect to all of them, both the experience and the poem. The connection of a glance or a simple look to a passerby can be so dense and so profound that it can... It can truly happen, and it does happen to everyone. Because, I don't know, I guess in one way or another, as human beings, we we seek a connection, and we seek to, to meet, to, to learn, to be together, to be in a relationship, or to be with them for a night or a month, or to be with them for years, or to just to just see. Yeah. And yet that, that experience happens. Yeah. That experience is relatable. It's it, it, it it's one of those things that like it it, it, it I think it truly is universal in this case. Yeah. And it is it is always moving in one way or another. Like 
to me, uh, the, the, the deep, like the, 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 thing, the one that stands, is very rare. But at the same time, I've had many different moments where I remember, like, I wonder about this person. Yeah. I wonder where they're coming from, where they're going. Yeah. I wonder, like, they are interesting. They, they, they look interesting to me. I'd like to know more about them. Yeah. And yet I don't. And, and yet I, someone, I see again because, you know, routine, science, yeah. but those things can happen. But m- most, uh, and even then, I don't, I will never see again. Yeah. Uh, I have, uh, aside from like twice or thrice, I've never seen the, the, the woman with, uh, the purple trench coat and the purple beret. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? And yet, there was. The, the moment happened. Yeah. And it leaves its marks. Like, it, it leaves its moments. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, just... Just a very interesting, a very different, and yet a very universal experience that yeah. can speak to so many different people in so many different ways. So yeah, just I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> some I, of my I, I think I will have to use my classic saying that if we talk any more about this, we're going to to ruin this this perfect ending. <laughs> <I'm> sorry, <laughs> I, I feel like I always sort of like I just swoop in, take it, and just just like leave it <laughs> in a point where like I I guess we should end it. Yeah, <laughs> no, but th- that's totally fine for me because I mean I I, I I think we had a blast talking about this poem, and I love Baudelaire. And I mean, uh, honestly, I had a really fucking long day. I worked with wood and weight, and and I I'm I'm just totally destroyed. And yet, when I sat down and started talking about this poem with you, I I felt energized and and back at it. And I think it was honestly a really nice talk, and and I I value a lot that you have those these kinds of moments of of going into a tangent or going to a monologue that is basically y- you go into a moment of of being honest and being true, and and that's what I want and that's what I try to do as well, and I mean. It, uh, I I I prefer much more that than a two-hour episode of, of of both of us being bored. So yeah, j- <laughs> just want to make that little remark because uh, I thought that this ending was really nice and really beautiful. And yeah, maybe we should we, we shouldn't spoil it now. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Really, and, and he's not joking. He he was actually working with what it weights. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's no exaggeration. Yeah. And I did feel you like blossoming during during the from the very beginning. Like you, you so enthused and was just like I, I'm even thinking that like yes, this will go on the Patreon feed. But after like two, one or two, maybe three weeks, we should release it to the public because yeah. it's just. Such a great episode. Yeah, exactly. Like, come on, this was so much fun and so good. Yeah. So like, I, I just if it's fine for you, I think that eventually, yeah, yeah. soon enough, no. it should be open for everyone. Like, yeah, it will be. Great. So yeah, so, yeah. Thank you, thank you so much for listening, dear patrons, and yeah. soon everyone. It's always uh, a pleasure. This was a blast yeah. to do. 
So thank you, thank you for everything. Uh, you can find us and follow us on Twitter at, at @leftpagepod. Uh, there's there's always interesting stuff going on there that I'm sharing, that I'm following, and yeah, just just thank you. And you probably found us on Patreon, but if not, we're at patreon.com forward slash leftpage. Just that. Yeah. And there should be another like uh, a reading quarter that I will. I've either have, depending on when this episode comes out, it's either already going to be there or it's imminent because I have it all mostly figured out, so it should be there yeah. fairly soon. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And I, I think yeah. that's it from us. Thanks so, for listening. Thank you for everything. Thank you for being here, for being our patrons, for supporting us. We have had various uh, patrons that became $5 supporters. Yeah. So thank you so so much for that. It, it it really helps. Yeah. And it means the world to us that you find this a good project and one worth worth spending your money, your hard earned money yeah. on. And we want to make this poetry club worth it for you. Yeah. It's something that is worth worth that and that is that is dig that is an honor to do, to record and to have to you to offer so thank you so so much for listening and to the next one